This is Ed Stetzer Live. And of course, we come at you this and every Saturday here on Moody Radio Network and Partners. Uh, or coast to coast, really. And a lot of you increasingly listen online or asynchronously. I encourage you to do that. You go to edstetzerlive.com. Subscribe to the podcast so you can listen, well, whatever. Because otherwise, you're listening Saturday when you're working in your garage or something. So, But as you listen, asynchronously gives you more opportunity to do so. Let me tell you that uh, well, this is a pre-recorded episode. So we actually are, are we can't take your calls. Uh, not that we don't love to do that, and we will normally do that. But we can't take your calls today. But we're having a fascinating conversation. Um, and I'm actually recording this conversation today live at Biola University. We're here for the Ablaze Conference, and um, two of the other keynote speakers are here with me. And the Ablaze Conference is a celebration of the Jesus People movement, uh, really outpouring of the Holy Spirit, many people come to faith in Christ, and more. Uh, the Ablaze Conference is hosted by the uh, Center for the Study and Work study of work in the ministry of the Holy Spirit today, uh, and also the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, which did the research. For the research, you can go to jesuspeoplemovement.com. So we're not going to spend most of our time talking about the Jesus People Movement. Let me explain uh, what's going on here in the conference. There's all kinds of different speakers and musicians. And last night, I at the conference recording, I listened to Second Chapter of Acts and was just just taken back decades to my new believer life, going to Jesus Orlando festivals, listening to second chapter of Acts and Keith Green, got to sit next to Melody Green, got to listen to Love Song. Anyway, it was amazing. And, but we're also evaluating the Jesus People Movement. And my assigned talk, which then our guests actually respond to and add to, is actually around, um, you know, the Jesus People Movement, what it got right and some of the things that it missed. And one of the things we heard in the over 60 interviews that we did at JesusPeopleMovement.com was maybe the the uh, lots of powerful things, very, very positive inclined. We would tell the great story of the Jesus People Movement, but also that there were some areas where they just weren't engaged and involved. The Jesus People Movement is overwhelmingly white. Um, and in the midst of a civil rights struggle, generally did not engage on that topic. Uh, some, there are exceptions, and uh, and we can talk about some of those. But so our guests today actually are um, part of the conversation here at the Ablaze Conference at Biola University. So Bishop Kenneth Ulmer has been the senior pastor of Faithful Central Bible Church in L.A. since 1982. Uh, in 2000, they purchased the Great Western Forum. That's where the L.A. Lakers used to play, which I understand is a sports reference. I'm not really big on the <laughs> sports, but I understand that's kind of famous. Everyone knows what that is. And uh, and and eventually, you know, you operated as commercial entertainment venue. Sold to Madison Square Garden, uh, founding member of the and uh, founding board member, president of the King's University, uh, adjunct at the King's at Oxford. Um, lots of things. I mean, I could list on and on and here. Just, uh, I mean, you're kind of globally known, and we're very thankful for your work. I pastor a predominantly uh, African American, though multi ethnic congregation as well in Los Angeles. Okay, and so, so first we have Bishop Ulmer, and then Eddie Byan is a. Uh, am I pronouncing your name correct? I'm Bjorn. Bjorn, thank you for helping me. Eddie Bjorn is Associate Professor of Christian Ministry at Talbot School of Theology. Studied speech at the Communication University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. Uh, called pastoral ministry. You guys, both you're having a moment That's here. Where I went you to both went to university. Yeah, oh, this man, is good. Yeah. See right here. Yeah, we're bringing it together. Well, is there like a sports round? Like, is that like the you know the fighting something? Fine, 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 fine. Fine. There you go. So there you go. That's so that's you guys. Going today, as a matter of fact. No, would you let me continue this introduction, please? Studied <laughs> so at Regent College, Vancouver, for his Master of Divinity. Uh, Full time pastoral ministry in South Korea, Sydney, Australia. Um, and super excited that he is in our conversation today. He's actually also written an important book that we want to talk about. 
It's uh, it's the IVP Reader's Choice Award winner, Justice Awakening. Others as well, praying for your pastor, praying for your missionary, and more. So thank you both for joining me today for this conversation. Our pleasure to be here. Thank you. Good. So let's, I mean, we're going to, uh, in this conversation at the Jesus People Movement, we, it's kind of a very specific historic thing that we won't have time to hash through here. But one of the things that, as I kind of walk through in my talk, I talked about missiologically that the Jesus People Movement had this wonderful missiological alignment, people in a counterculture who became missionaries to the counterculture, and it was powerful. And I talked about how it was, you know, itself a cultural movement and a counterculture movement. So I go through in my talk a series of things, missiology, hist- it's, I mean, it's just the historic moment is probably not repeatable. You know, 1968 was not today and there's maybe some you know history doesn't repeat itself it can uh, can can to rhyme but it's not this quite the same but then in the end of my talk i talk about the eschatological realities that the jesus people movement rightfully was talking about well jesus one way to jesus let's show and share the love of jesus let's tell everybody but maybe didn't see and have a full grasp of that the kingdom of god was already here but not yet fully here and we're citizens of the kingdom and part of our call is to work to make the world more like Jesus would want it to be, rather than just escaping everybody from the world because Jesus is coming back soon. We also have a responsibility that's here. And that's part of the theme of Justice Awakening uh, as well. So, uh, Dr. Brion, start by telling us a little bit about why you think Christians need, and you can tell us a little bit about in your talk as well, why you think Christians need to have an awareness of their God's call to work in for the better of the world. I mean, it's clear that God has called us to um, declare the gospel, uh, but an element that you are addressing that I've realized that the church needs to, I feel, go stronger in is also to demonstrate the gospel, you know, because as Jesus calls, you know, calls, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to the Father in heaven. And so uh, as God opened my eyes to see a lot of the injustices in the community that I was pastoring in about 10 years ago when I was in South Korea. Uh, he also started to move our church into our community to help these vulnerable groups. As that was happening, uh, I was able to see the faith of our community really coming alive in ways that I've never seen before. And also God's favor to really make some significant changes in our community. Uh, but along with that too, a lot of warfare and opposition, both from Within the church and outside of the church. Yeah, you actually did a film. Uh, I did. Save My Soul, S-E-O-U-L, the name of the city, but obviously intended to say more than that. Uh, it was a documentary on sex traffic in South Korea, won Best Documentary at the Asian Asia Pacific Film Festival. Tell us about the title because it's kind of got a message to it. Yeah, you know, um, actually, one of my inspirations for the title is I'm a big U2 fan. Yeah. And the start of uh, one of their songs, actually, Bono cries out. I'm looking for somebody to save my soul. Yeah. And, um, you know, I listened to their songs a lot. And as I was praying over our city of Seoul, uh, I actually would pray that often, save this nation, save this city. And then as I started to unravel the intricacies of trafficking in Korea with 1.2 million women and children in some form of sexual slavery, uh, I, it was my prayer, God, save this city uh, from its depth of corruption, of trafficking, of bondage. And I realized, you know, this is a physical bondage uh, that really is a representation of the spiritual bondage mm. that is permeating throughout this city. And so uh, that led me to make the film to sh- dismantle a lot of the lies that I realized a lot of people had. Most people think that these 
people chose to do it. They want to do it. They're making a lot of money doing it. But I realized that's completely wrong. And so we interviewed 100 women and children who've come out of this. And I wanted to shine a light into that darkness. Powerful. And um, one of the things that people respond, and I think, I mean, I don't know anybody who loves Jesus that's for sex trafficking, right? Obviously and evidently. But I hear a lot of people say, well, let's just primarily preach the gospel. Let's make that our priority. And so there's always a discussion. And part of our discussion we're having here at the Ablaze Conference is, is the Jesus People Movement. People, let's say, let's save people out of the drug lifestyle and the free sex lifestyle of the 60s and the 70s. Um, but at the same time, in the black church, the idea that you would separate these things is kind of much less of a common reality. Bishop Ulmer, tell us a little bit about how the your understanding and you can even kind of reflect some on your talk as well but your understanding of how we as christians are called to preach and share the gospel but also what it looks like to live out its implications in our communities i think we all too often and and this is a broad stroke on the on the church in general i think we've we all too often bifurcate those i think yeah. we separate those yeah. i think we've got um called to follow jesus over called to be disciples of jesus over here but our call does not always include our goal. Mm. It does not always include our and 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 if it is a goal, I, I think it is it is selective. Um, I think it is almost crafted. I mean, I'm thinking about the whole Jesus People movement. You know, it started here in Southern California, right. and not far from here. And I'm in Los Angeles, and we never heard nothing about it. Wow. You know, uh, I'm in South Central Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, I, I had a class at Pepperdine, and and, and our class took a field trip to visit a place in Simi Valley, Tony Tony and Susan Alamo, um, really is like a commune. Right. And that was the closest thing to the Jesus movement, the Jesus hippies, et cetera, that we, but they had no, I think they limited um, their going. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was come, I think it was, they were reaching the drug culture, they were reaching the hippie culture, they were reaching guys who, slept, who were on the beach who were not allowed to go in the, the high church, you know, buildings, right. et cetera, which was an amazing thing. We're for it. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. Praise God for that. I. What's interesting is that I did not, um, I, I don't think they went back to address the systems out of which they came, mm -hmm. the poverty systems, yeah. the, uh, um, the the justice issues, the marginalization issues, yeah. and so I think that we we all too often we we separate uh, the come unto Jesus from the go in the name of Jesus, yeah. um, and unfortunately, I think with all the great things and the souls that were saved, et cetera, yeah. that may be where the Jesus People Movement stopped short. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we heard that from a lot of the interviews we did. Like people can go to JesusPeopleMovement.com. Uh, and again, overwhelmingly positive. We're oh very gosh, excited. Yeah. I mean, everyone here in this conversation is very excited about what God did to the Jesus People Movement. The specific assignment we had at the Ablaze Conference was to talk about maybe what are some of the things we want to learn in hindsight as well. You're listening to Ed Stetzer Live. Just a reminder, we're not taking your calls today because this is a pre-recorded program. We're here at Biola University. Uh, we're with uh, Bishop Kenneth Elmer, Dr. Eddie Boone, and we're talking about uh, about really more and more we're going to talk about. We kind of framed it around the Jesus People movement. And moving forward, we're going to talk about well, how do we how do we not lose the proclamation of the gospel in caring for our neighbor? What's our role? You know, you're just sex trafficking in Seoul, uh, Seoul, you're a soul, excuse me. You're involved in all kinds of ministry in and around Los Angeles among the poor, the marginalized and more. And yet throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus talking consistently about the poor and the hurting. Yet there's kind of a struggle that people have. Let's continue our conversation and stay with us for just a moment.
An enriching conversation indeed. And let me just also on a personal note mention that I'm a follower of Christ because of a series of circumstances that were put in place and took place in the Jesus movement about a decade or so later after probably the peak of the Jesus people movement. Uh, the Lord uh, was gracious to save me and uh, set us on a journey of new life in Christ. So this is more than just a radio conversation for me. It's more than just an academic study for me as well. But this speaks of how God ultimately uh, changed and saved me. We're going to do our conversation in just a moment. Politics brings more division than ever, and social media is moving many to be less social and more critical. Those with Christian views are also often being dismissed. Well, what if the rise of secularism, though, is good news for the church? Throughout history, these times of decline traditionally precede powerful spiritual renewal, even revival. You need to read Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Get a copy of Reappearing Church today at moodypublishers.com. Well, happy Saturday, everybody, and I know it feels, because it is, getting closer and closer to Christmas time, and we're excited to um, continue to point people towards Jesus and make much of Jesus. So one of the things that we had the privilege of doing, which you'll learn here in this episode, is uh, sitting down with some key leaders uh, talking about how Jesus has been at work in the world, particularly looking at a time period called the Jesus People Movement. So I want to encourage you to, if you don't know, they can Google that. If you want to follow along the oral history that we created at the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in partnership with Biola University's uh, Ablaze Conference, you can actually go to jesuspeoplemovement.com. Again, that's jesuspeoplemovement.com. But as we jump into this conversation, I'm going to introduce our guests. I know you're going to be blessed by ultimately, well, what God has done and looking forward to what God is doing, which is such a great theme around this season of the year. Okay, we're back. Uh, Ed Setzer Live. We're with Dr. Eddie Bion and with uh, Bishop Kenneth Ulmer. Um, and, of course, you, I should also say you two are in academia, right? We mentioned Dr. Bion is, uh, yeah. is here at Biola uh, Talbot, which is the seminar at Biola. You are at the King's University. Um, right, King's University is that right? Owned by Jack Hayford. Jack Hayford, very different. I oh, I love Jack Hayford. Yeah, that's he was. Uh, he asked me to consult with the Foursquare for about ten years, yeah. and just love. I preached at uh, his church, and he said, can I, I "Can I pray for you?" And I said, "Yes, please." <laughs> so, church on this is kind of relevant to yeah, what yeah. we're talking about. Church on the way uh, when Dr. Hayford was yeah. there. Yeah, Tim um, Clark's there now. That, that was a, yeah. that was a season yeah. when Church on the Way had more black members. Yeah. Than the larger black churches in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's fascinating, fascinating, and the no, diversity amazing, of the that diversity church. there. You know, yeah. and he yeah. kind of and then later in Latino members. Yes, came in, oh. came in different oh my ways. Gosh. Came oh, in different ways. They, yeah, they overran them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a place time where there were two campuses, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, this yeah, became yeah, yeah. the Latino. And the growing one was the Hispanic. It really was. It really was. You, yeah, it's funny. We could talk about and that. That's a whole other. That's a whole other story. That's a whole other show. Okay, so Justice Awakening. It does seem that. And I think there's some theological reasons for this and some cultural reasons for this. It does seem that uh, maybe as the theology of understanding the kingdom of God, people are familiar with it already to heard me talk about already, but not yet. The kingdom's already here, but it's not yet here. So we're working as citizens of the kingdom uh, or not far from George Elton Ladd, Fuller Seminary. Um, but then the cultural force towards being doers of good is also 
very evident in our culture as way. I, I, I call it the Bonoization of evangelicalism. So I you mentioned Bono, who is you tell people we got, you know, he's a self-identified uh, born again Christian. I think he used the term born again. Um, and but he kept saying we got to work towards social good. So what's the focus? What's the main themes in around Justice Awakening, your book? Uh, I wanted to give a church uh, again. I This was about 10 years ago. And back then, the issues of trafficking and social, what, whether you want to call it social justice or whatever, wasn't really on the radar for evangelical churches as much as it is now. And so I, first of all, I gave a brief theological, under, a biblical theology of justice. Uh, and then I gave a perspective in terms of how this is a gospel issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I outlined some practical ways that churches can begin moving into their communities in this regard. And what was interesting, a lot of the uh, opposition I would get were from pastors, yeah. were from other people who, and some, I even got an email from, you know, he said, I've never heard you preach, but I've heard so much about what you guys are doing. And it's clear that you've strayed from true pastoral work. And so he says, I'm going to call you to repent nice. and go back to I real work. I apologize real work. for sending that letter. <laughs> <laughs> and it, what fascinated me is... Um, well, one, if you took the time, I was preaching through Galatians at the time, uh, he would have understood where I come from. But I realized, you know what? A lot of people even today are uncomfortable with the word justice. Yeah, yeah. And I realized, you know, what? there's a synonym that can help you embrace it better. And that's the word love. Right. Because we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. Right. And if that person, that child being abused in that way was your niece, you would do all that you can yeah. to get the church on board to help. And I realized that that's a perspective change that we needed to see happen within the evangelical world of that this is really an overflow of love into our communities. And as we started doing that, hearts started opening up. And even some of these women um, who were in this red light district for quite a while, there were churches right next to these red light districts. And when I asked them, did you ever consider going to that church? They said, we tried one time, but the pastor kicked us out because the women of that church threatened the pastor. If you let somebody like that in here, we're all out. Wow. And then then they started asking us, why are you coming in here when these other churches don't care about us? And that was a golden opportunity for us to share the love of Christ with them. Love it. And that's when they're like, we wish so much your church was closer so that we could go there. Wow. And again, I was pastoring an international English ministry, and there's uh, obviously a language barrier, but it realized when we began living out the gospel, that opened up their hearts in ways that they've never experienced mm-hmm. the gospel before. Yeah, and so, it created a lot of opportunities for them to uh, give their lives to Christ. And a number um, of them were changed so by I, I cite your book in, uh, in a, and actually a new book I'm writing is not out yet, but part of what I cite about it is how, how evangelical Christians are wrestling with the where justice fits in there, you put the word social in front of justice. It's, I mean, you you took the word justice and made it love, uh, put the word social in front of it. People tend to object to it. But one of the things that even they're talking about, I think everyone would say, let's try to help the woman in prostitution get out of prostitution. But they often don't want to address the systems issues right. that are at work. You do in the book. Um, and that's something you've been doing for yeah. a long time. So how should we think about all right, my church, your church, your your bishop, your pastor in a church has been in this community with a lot of cultural changes going on right now, but also there are struggles in that cultural context in all, but where you are, you've been known for addressing them. Why not just preach the gospel? Why are you creating systems to address systems that are broken in your community? You know, I think uh, it, it kind of goes back a spinoff of what you said about the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. Yeah. You know, I think that we often 
to the detriment of the kingdom, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. we, we make it one or the other. We make it either or. Right. We make it either or. And I think uh, as we look back at the whole Jesus people movement, um, they chose the, the the end result was either similar. And I'm not doing not sure about the, the chronology of it, but were they following the, the model of the white evangelical church or did mm-hmm. they turn the model? Sure. More? You yep. see what I'm saying? Yep. Be- because I think that there was this uh, it's almost like um, there was a limitation. We go, but we go, but we go so only so far. Right. Uh, we'll we'll go back to the uh, back to the beach. Yep. We'll go back to the the, the the homeless shelters, whatever. And those that are there, we'll deal with them. We'll we'll share the gospel, but we'll bring them here. Right. It's always it's always the gathering and right. not the scattering. Okay. It it is the gather. It is the come. But it but it but the people that God that Jesus says come follow me. He then said, now you go. You go. And so I think our problem is that we have bifurcated it. We, yeah. We've made it an either or instead right. of a both and. Okay. The gospel, I don't think, is an either or. Right. I think it's both and. Okay, so what does it look like, though, at Faithful Central Bible Church where you serve, when you're helping people to go to both? Help me with both sharing the gospel and meeting human needs. I think for us, it, it it's contextual. Okay. And so uh, it is. Uh, here's a sad story. Sad story. Yeah. We had a we had a conference uh, during Black History Month. Yeah. And uh, there was a, the city of Inglewood gave out a, um, a, a oratorical award. Mm-hmm. Okay. And an the first oratorical yeah, award. They gave on, on Black History Month. Oh, that's great. Martin, yeah. You know, the city of Inglewood. And they hosted it at our church. We oh, hosted it yeah, at yeah. church. And the two top ones, one was a little girl, one was a little boy. Uh, the little boy was a black boy. The little girl was a little Hispanic girl. Yeah. And they did their speeches and they got standing up. Okay. Sure. And so I spoke to one of the, spoke to both parents. Love it. And uh, I found out. They walked to our church. That's significant. They walked. We were in Inglewood. They physically walked to our church. Yeah. They were close enough to walk. Yeah. And both of them said, one said, I've never been in this church. The other one said, I've never heard of this church. Okay. They're in walking distance of sure, our church. Sure. And your church is not, I mean, you're, you're engaged in the community. Yeah, you're not. A bit. That's, what I'm, that's, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. that's exactly yeah, my point. Yeah, and yeah. I'm saying that we, we are often... Um, almost territorial and we'll go to this territory mm. uh, but but the idea of the uttermost we, we don't get to the uttermost parts we stay in our Jerusalem okay. we'll traffic in our Jerusalem uh, like us yeah. you know um, I, I think the whole thing about the Jesus people movement there were other hippies that came in yeah. and they were like us there were other um, you know white homeless people whatever came like us but we did not cross the lines from Jerusalem to a Judea from Judea to Samaria. And Samaria, of course, you know, we talk about the we're, different kind of people. We're talking yeah. about ethnic lines. We're yeah. talking about geographical lines. We're yeah. talking about racial lines, you yeah. know. And I think that we find our comfort zone in the small circles of just our Jerusalem. And so we're trying to break out of it. That broke my heart. That yeah. lady, she said, oh, sir, I want, I want to come back. She said, uh, I, one lady said, I passed by here to get to the bus. Oh, well. She said, but I've never been in this church. Wow. She didn't know we were even here. Yeah. That's from a pastor. That'll break your heart. Mm. That changed our whole phone, our whole mm. Fascinating. Um, and you, 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 you make this case, and you made it over ten years ago. It's worth noting because the conversation about this has changed drastically in ten years, and in some ways, has been a backlash against those of us who've said no. Churches need to be involved yeah. in addressing uh, issues of injustice to try to make the world more like you know. We pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will right. be done on earth. What, what, how might we join Jesus on mission to do that? Um, looking back ten years, and now fast forwarding ten years. Uh, what are the challenges you think that Christians are wrestling with today about their roles? Oh, there's so many. Um, but I think one in particular is there's clearly a season of justice that we are in right now. Yeah. 
Uh, but there seems to be two playing at the same time. And as believers, we really need discernment uh, because there is a global secular justice movement that's yeah. rising up. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're called to operate in the spirit, mm -hmm. uh, grounded in the gospel. And I think that the secular justice movement that we see rising up, it is very obviously man-centered, where we are the heroes, yeah. where we are the answer. And it, it, in some ways, it's a spirit of self-righteousness mm -hmm. that look at the evil there, therefore, I am the answer to this. Uh, but obviously, as believers, yeah, we see the evil, but we also know that that same evil lives within us. And so instead of operating in a spirit of self-righteousness where I'm the answer, we really need to operate in a spirit of uh, humility, knowing that Jesus Christ is the hero, that he is the answer. And I think that dynamic is going to be an important one in this hour to differentiate between. Yeah, I want to, I uh, we're going to back in just a moment. I want, I want you to pack that a little more, how we do that. Because, um, you know, you, you've talked a little bit, you've said it a couple of times, and I think sometimes people struggle. What does it mean that, I mean, first of all, I want to come in and make a difference. So, I mean, if someone's being trafficked, I want to stop that. If there's, you know, racist actions, I want to intervene in that. Um, and yet at the same time, there's there's a caution, there's a path, there's a wisdom to take. So we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment with uh, Kenneth Ulmer. He's the senior pastor of Faithful Central Bible Church. We're going to continue our conversation with Eddie Bayoun, uh, who is uh, having a conversation with us. Uh, we're both, he's a professor here at Biola, which is where we're actually recording this. Just to remind you, this is a pre-recorded program, so we can't take your calls today, but it doesn't mean it's not fascinating and helpful stuff. So continue to listen, continue to stay with us, and we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. And I want to kind of dig in a little bit on the question that we just had. Okay, what does it look like? We, we've read books like people read books like When Helping Hurts or or when you kind of rush in and you, you kind of fail to think through or learn the cultural nuances and more. So we're going to continue our conversation here at Ed Stetzer Live. Alive. Let me thank Karen Hendren, my producer, and our whole team at Moody Radio. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. Well, we'll continue our conversation, and, and we'll do so more in just a moment. Um, in this segment, we're going to talk about how to decipher and how to walk into the mission of an individual church. You know, John 20, verse 21 says, uh, Jesus is speaking. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. And that's a reminder that God's people are sent on mission by Jesus for his name and his fame. And so as we look to right here, just before Christmas time, we know that God sent Jesus into the world. He was born in the backwaters of the Roman Empire, a king of kings to rule the world, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But what I want you to remember is that baby in a manger grew up, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins and in our place. And on the third day, God rose him from the dead. Now, before he ascends to heaven, God raises him from the dead. He appears to his disciples, and he gives a series of four short talks to his disciples recorded in the scriptures. We'll call them the commissions of Jesus, uh, the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations and others. But I want you not to miss the beauty of the Johannine, the, the commission in the Gospel of John, where after 40 times in the Gospel of John, Jesus has said he is sent. He then says, at the end of the Gospel of John, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. This is part of the conversation we're going to have today, and you're going to want to listen in and be encouraged. We are back at Stetzer Live, having a fascinating conversation with two guests today. Dr. Bion, we, we just talked a minute ago about some of the caution you had about, you know, we're in an age of justice. Maybe that needs to be a little more discerning at 
times. At the same time, I hear that. And I mean, I'm like the small group missions reality that kind of COVID may go away. But man, there are mission trips going around the world and not always thinking through the process. But I don't want to discourage people from caring and serving. So what's the balance? How do you find that path? Yeah, you know, one of the things I tell people is like every church doesn't have the same role to play, but they do have a role to play. Um, and I think it's based on the principle, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected and required, to, you know, and those with less. Um, and so for when we were operating in Korea, we realized, um, you know, we we're part of a large ministry and God blesses with a lot of resources. So we were able to begin uh, utilizing um, obviously financial resources, but also human resources in a way where we would network with key people within governments, uh, within NGOs, within other cities around the world. And we wanted to make sure that we were being, number one, biblical, mm -hmm. but also um, being a witness to our communities uh, and allowing the Holy Spirit to really lead how that's going to look like. Um, I encourage people when they usually ask me, what can we do? I, I let them know that, you know what? Um, I think it's going to be important for you as a community to really, what I like to term brainstorm before God. Okay. Brainstorm uh, before God. I like that. Yeah. It's like a lot of time when we have a problem to solve, we like to rack our own brains together either by ourselves or with others. But I want to invite you to do that in the presence of God. And that's actually how Justice Awakening was born. Uh, I had a brainstorm session with God and he started to just speak to me. And I started to take steps of faith and obedience into our communities. And then God started to place people into our lives, um, relationships with people who had connections to the government or law enforcement. And then they, we were able to start living out our faith and sharing why we were doing what we were doing. And that started to open up hearts and opportunities to share our faith with them. Um, you know, what one thing that the Spirit led us to do as well is like as we started to prayer walk around certain red light districts, Several months later, they would shut down. And so some people are like, oh, that's just a coincidence. But I realized, man, this is something significant in terms of the more we started to pray intentionally, the more coincidences we started to see Seems happening so, as yeah. well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's just the philosophy and principle that we started to move in as we started following God and obeying his steps of faith and taking these steps of faith and obedience. Uh, doors opened, hearts opened, and then chains started to unfold. Wow. Well, good. I, I love I love the, the, the translation of um, um, the, the Great Commission yeah. that says, "Make disciples as you are going, okay. as you are going." I think uh, issues of social impact, community impact, etc., are so contextual. I think they're uh, you you don't have to go anyplace. I think you look around. Uh, they're they're in your backyard. They're across the street. They're like like the lady who they're in walking distance, you know, of, of your situation. And so I think that they're contextual. I think that um, the issues that may face the journey as I go in Watts or in Compton mm -hmm. may be different. N neighbors of L.A., you know, often economically depressed neighbors in L.A. And, and, yeah. and South Central. Right? South Central exactly. exactly. Yeah. Uh, may, be the, may be different than the ones in Seoul, Korea. Yeah. But they come under that heading of go into mm -hmm. all the world. Uh, it's interesting that about the time that the Jesus People Movement was, was on the rise in the late 60s and 70s was about the same time that uh, black theology, yeah. uh, black liberation theology, yep. Uh, was was rising sure. to address the issues of justice and yeah. and and social issues and that kind of thing, but but I think and, and I love what, what Ed said. We, we must recognize this as a part of our relationship with Christ, 
the uh, um, the black power movements, et cetera, address social issues without Jesus. Okay. And and men, as a matter of fact, that's where they lost the black church primarily when when they said there are many ways and Jesus yeah, yeah, is yeah. not the only one, that kind of thing. But the point is that I don't think we back off of the fact that Jesus is still the way, the truth, the life, his answer, but it is how we then take him. How we go. I love the picture in uh, in uh, where, where Matthew gets saved in Scripture. And Matthew, Jesus said, follow me. And in the next verse, he follows Matthew. And, yeah. Matthew, and Matthew takes him to a party. Yeah. And the Bible says, a party full of sinners. Yep. It clearly says full of sinners. Yep. Yep. And, and there's the group, the religious people stood outside. You know, I wonder how much of the church goes so far that we stand outside. Mm -hmm. I wonder, do we go into that house where the red light district is? Do we go into the house where the girls are? Do we go into the house where the drug, whatever it is? Yeah. Uh, or do we stand outside and feel comfortable standing outside mm -hmm. uh, because we've gone so far? I think that's part of the issue. We go so far, but we don't go into. Don't go enough. But what, help me understand too, what do you, as a, as a local church pastor, uh, predominantly African-American church, Faithful Central Bible Church, what is your responsibility? Because you know, as someone who writes in mission, you know, Eddie and I are in the same field. So often write in that space, Christian formation leadership. Um, I'll say that we want to join Jesus on his mission. He came serving the hurting, Luke 4, saving the lost in Luke 19, 10. But then people say, no, no, the mission of the church is solely the Great Commission. It's solely evangelism. I work at the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. I want us to prioritize evangelism. I have a theological, missiological view called integral prioritism. Too much to get into here. But what's the responsibility of your church is... Is it just social ministry? I think that's the point. As I said, I don't think it's an either or. Okay, come back, come back to that. And I okay. think that's what... But, but you're still saying, you're saying it's not an either or. I'm just telling you, for a whole lot of people think it is an either or. No, and that's my point. Yeah. I, that, that, I, we're saying the same thing. Yeah. We say it's this, it's this and only right. this. It is preach the gospel, teach the gospel. And I am saying, but the gospel is... The gospel includes the going. The gospel includes making an impact. How are you going to be salt and light if you are uh, stuck in your church building? Yeah. Salt, okay. by definition, light implies penetration yeah. going into. How can we do that practically? You know, uh, and, and in this community, it may be trafficking. In this community, it may be the school system. Yeah. In this community, it may be pop, whatever it is. But I think my point is that it's there if we go beyond the fact that as long as we preach the gospel, it won't, we don't just preach the gospel, we take the gospel. Okay. And okay. we take the gospel across those. Jesus was very clear. You got to cross some lines. Paul says those walls have already fallen. Yeah. I think they've fallen and we stand back and recognize that they are, but never move beyond mm. that. But Eddie, we've seen and uh, over the years, there are churches that have lost the proclamation of the gospel that are still very involved in social ministry. And a lot of people are concerned. So, and a lot of people are concerned that evangelical churches that get over well, you're too concerned about race. You're too concerned about injustice. You're too concerned about trafficking, whatever else it may be, that you'll lose the proclamation of the gospel. I want to have a little more longer conversation about, it, but take a minute and tell me what your thoughts are about that criticism and concern. I think ultimately that's going to be the responsibility of the leadership to, as you teach and preach, as you disciple, to always start from that foundation of Scripture, of the gospel, of knowing that this is us living out our faith. Um, yeah, anybody can start getting distracted or take detours, uh, but I think it's the job of the leadership to make sure that, hey, this is why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. It's based on scripture. And uh, yeah, later on, we could do a little bit more of a thorough discussion on even the wider theological uh, context of where this is derived from. But ultimately, I think there, because I've seen too in the justice ministries that we've done, you'll always have certain people who have their agenda yeah. and they're going to try to spearhead it that way. But I think that's the role of the shepherd of the local church to guide them 
in a way that will keep them faithful. I think that's what we're going to come back to right after we take a pause. Let's continue our conversation in just a moment. Thanks so much for listening today, and it's been a fascinating conversation indeed. In this final segment of the show, we're going to specifically talk about how our guests, um, really how, how they led and engaged the culture and the context around them uh, through their own ministries as well. So we're going to have one final kind of conversation about what that looks like personally as they join Jesus on mission. So, and let me just again point you towards, we're soon to Christmas, let's make much of Jesus, just as these guests have, let's make much of Jesus this Christmas time. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. Just want to jump right back in, Eddie. You were talking about some theological foundations, biblical values here that would undergird this. Tell us about them. Yeah, uh, you know, God led us to, what gets the most press is our trafficking ministry, but God led us to care for stateless children, refugees, single moms, and a lot of them overlapped into the ministries that we're involved with. And I helped our church understand by doing a theological understanding of what does God say about caring for the least of these mm-hmm. over and over again, care for the the fatherless, the widow, the, the um, foreigner, the alien over and over again. And even in the New Testament, you know that this is true religion to visit orphans and widows in their distress. And with this repetition all throughout scripture to care for them, to care for them, that I, the Lord, care for them, it's clear when you ask who were they, they were the most vulnerable people in their societies. And I started to realize, man, God has deep, deep passion for the vulnerable. Mm. And I realized, you know, deeply vulnerable people are deeply valuable to the heart of God. And as we start to move into it, also, you know, that faith without deeds is dead. And as I started to see people walk and live out their faith by uh, begin, literally just loving on these people, um, you know, whether it's tutoring these children who come out of a horrendous situation or providing needs for these single moms who are in a very vulnerable place, I realized, man, this is the biblical principle in terms of how we are to live out our faith, that faith without deeds is dead. And then as we are able to see these people move into this center part where God's heart is so passionate about, and mind you, Throughout the Psalms too, it reminds us that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne, that this is what his kingdom is built upon. Uh, we started to sense such strong pleasure of God as we started to move in these areas. And again, God allowed us to see incredible fruit with, you know, whether it was changing 15 laws in Korea or seeing so many of these vulnerable people come to Christ for the first time. We started to see a church that was alive a church that was really making a difference. And another just kind of neat testimony I want to share is, so there was about a 15, 18 member VIP delegate from the US Senate and Congress who came to Korea one year while we were involved in this. And they were doing a tour of East Asia. And the question that they wanted to ask is, what's being done about vulnerable children within communities? And the US embassy, they said, we were the first people they thought of. And so they called, say, Eddie, do you have time to meet them next Monday? And I was floored, I was yeah. honored. And I met with them and all these other groups and they were telling us what the work you are doing has reached the ears of the US wow. government. Wow. And I was honored because that truly was an example of how letting our light shine before mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. brought great honor to God. And I think that's part of the problem with, with this whole bifurcation right. thing because my 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 some of my right-leaning friends would say uh, either, that's not part of the gospel 
or you only go there um, if they're saved to get them saved. Get them saved. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so there's Again, always this. Maybe rescue them out the, of that, but uh, that's part yes. of salvation. Yeah. And and so it, it is it is how you guys have synthesized that. How we try to synthesize that. that it, again, it's not the either or, but I think that what what many of my right right or 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 my left leaning guys, the friends who would say, well, it doesn't matter about Jesus. Yeah. You know, as long as you feed them, it doesn't matter. So again, yeah. I think it is the it's it's the make it's choosing one or the other. Right. And that that you guys have done a tremendous job in synthesizing. I, okay. I love what uh, um, 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 Macaul- Macaulay says. We need a creative synthesis. We we need. You saw Macaulay. I read his book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he literally he, he, he saw his book. He, he, he saw, just texted me during this show. So there you go. I'll tell him you said hello. He, 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 he <laughs> says we need a creative synthesis. Yeah. yeah. We, it's not an either or. We got to creatively bring these together. Uh, and 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 the the way that what you guys are doing has been noticed and and. Of course, what we're trying to do also uh, in in our neighborhood, it is this creative synthesis, and it may look like that way creatively and and on the streets of Seoul, and this way creative creatively on the on on the streets of South Central. The, one of the rising issues now with this whole COVID thing, mental health, mm-hmm. mental health is yeah. huge. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we have a counseling center, mental health, and so there have been people who have told us, well, the church doesn't do that. Yeah. And matter of fact, as you know, that some circles they say you don't get any kind of counseling, therapy, whatever. Sure, sure. You know, go to the altar, lay hands on you, and anoint yeah, you with all this. Right. But but I think again, it is it is a part of our going. It is a part of our going. I don't know how we can hold up the anointing mission statement of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yeah, look for it. He's anointing me to to do this. Everything that he says has both a, a, a social or practical side of it and over spiritual. We try to make it one or the other. Yeah. You know, um, uh, and and so I, I go through school and I get take classes and degrees behind my name and everything. And, and I'm, I'm told, I'm told this is purely a spiritual interpretation. This is a, this is a hermeneutic of spirit only uh, and poor. Yeah, poor because they don't have Jesus and uh, uh, the wounded. Yeah, they wounded because they don't have Christ. It's a, and right. so there's a purely spiritual interpretation, right. which I think li- takes you one way or the other. And many times away. I mean, the people that Jesus talked to were they were poor. Yeah. In that synagogue, this was a, a poor context. And yeah. so he's saying this not either or. It is that we do and we do this with this dual dimension. Yeah. and I. But one of the things that Eddie said, I'm going to come back to you and then back to Eddie uh, Bishop, is he said we changed some laws. So one of yes. the challenges is, is that people hear these kind of conversations and it's like, okay, should we advocate for more just system. I mean, you're you're in yeah. where you're in Los Angeles. The school district is much poorer than yes. other districts. Is yes. that an issue that Christians should be involved in? Is we're you know, directly involved in? Yeah, it. yeah. So li- liquor stores have to get licenses. Should yes. churches be involved in that or not that? Should pro life issues? Should should Christians be involved in advocating for the unborn or more? And it seems that and most people say yes on the last one, but maybe not so much on the other two justice issues. So how do you engage in justice issues where the system? Is broken as well. I think that's that is it. You engage on the systems. Is exactly what you said. And I think that that we have to recognize that there are s- systems that are broken. I mean, this is kind of a, a rabbit trail, but it, it makes my point. Okay, uh, the George Floyd thing yeah. blew up the whole yeah, yeah. world, yeah. but the whole world. Okay, the man had a knee on his neck. Yeah. I got that, but that man had been had fourteen or sixteen complaints against him in a system that kept him on the street. Mm-hmm. 
the officer was subsequently convicted. The, the officer. The yeah. officer. So what I'm saying is there is a systemic issue yeah. here that's even related, but it's even bigger than this one man being out there. Mm -hmm. There's a system. Uh, uh, the, the poverty issue is, is there's a system. The, the justice issue, the judicial system, and and the laws that you guys are changing. You know those girls that you guys are pulling off the street and you guys are changing their lives. But there's a system that had to be addressed, uh, and that system included laws that had to be addressed. And praise the Lord, some of those laws are being changed. What would you add to that, Eddie? Where's, wow. what's the Christian's role in systemic issues? Again, I, I want to kind of go back to my previous principle in terms of saying it's like we all have a role, not the same role. Yeah. Um, this really was part of uh, the makeup in terms of the resources that got put within our congregation. Mm. We had people who were in government. We had people who were connected to law enforcement. We had that type of dynamic in play. And so we wanted to be faithful with being a light with whatever sphere of influence in society that God put within our congregation. And that gave us the first steps that we wanted to take. So my point in saying those things is that, yeah, your church should also change 10 laws or whatever. My point is, you know what, we, again, as we brainstorm with God and we saw the responsibilities that God put within our congregation of those spheres of influence, we wanted to really start stepping into those areas of influence so that even our teachers, they started creating different types of curriculum based on what they were learning mm -hmm. in our church and for God's heart for the vulnerable. And so through that, I just want to encourage these churches to really see who has God brought you into, you know, who's who has mm -hmm. God brought into your community, into your congregation, so that it's not only, um, you know, doing a soup kitchen, which is great, yep, you know, if that's that. what God yep. calls you to do. But also see there may be other spheres of influence that God wants to utilize your church to start reaching out into to begin making an impact, to be that salt light, to be that close contact influence that can maybe potentially make a difference in ways that you never thought you could. Yeah, and I think, I think again, even in Just Awakening, you talk about um, you can't necessarily do everything, but everyone can in some way do something. Yeah. something. It can be a little overwhelming, though, because you'll mm -hmm. hear, you know, we read a book, you hear a preacher says, you, your church must be involved in this. Where the maybe answer might be your church will look to be where involved where the Holy Spirit's prompting you. Yeah. We've got about 30 seconds left for each of you. So tell me a little bit what next steps a church might take to be involved in impacting their world. About 30 seconds. I'd say, again, pray, brainstorm with God, mm -hmm. and begin seeing who are the vulnerable people in your community and start moving out to reach the needs of those vulnerable Love people. 30 seconds, I think I would ask God, where are you guiding me? Where he guides, he provides with resources, with relationships, and you're gonna be amazed at how God begins to open the doors the further you walk into his will. So great. My guests today have been Eddie and uh, and Bishop Kenneth Elmer. Uh, we've been talking about, really, we're at the uh, this conference called the Blaze Conference. We're pre-recording this as we haven't taken your calls today, but super helpful conversation. And you can find the resources that have been mentioned here, both uh, both the books, books have been mentioned, some of the links to the resources, some information about the Ablaze Conference as well. Again, thanks for listening to, uh, to Ed Setzer Live this and every Saturday. Let me remind you as well that you can listen asynchronously because maybe you're not listening every Saturday and you can just subscribe to the podcast. Go to edsetzerlive.com. And remember, Ed Setzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, which is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.